What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your boy, Jimmy J, joined by my guys, Kyle Sirik over there in Phoenixville, Stat Matt Robinson over there in Westchester. And I'm sorry I got to blow past y'all because the, the fourth member of the Fantastic Four is back. Like, we finally got a full healthy squad back. The guy, the guy, Jake Galley, is back, man. Long-awaited return, man. We missed you, bro. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. Yeah, I think we were talking. It's been since like July-ish yeah, since the last like time that. I've been on. It's been too long. It's been too long. I miss I, you guys. I, I never lost hope. I knew we was gonna get you back at some point, but then it was it was a long road. You remember how to do this thing? You remember you remember how it goes? Yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Shake some rust off along the way. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, we start as always with the facts straight at you. It's a it's a nice little neat one here that Kyle found. Baker Mayfield is actually the oldest quarterback left in the AFC playoffs. That's him. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. Um, and Olhead was kind of hooping last week uh, against Pittsburgh. 263 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a 115 quarterback rating, and didn't get sacked once by the team who led the league in sacks in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that kind of starts our whole theme of that's what they did last week. Can they do it again this week? Baker Mayfield is one of the top performers of AFC Wildcard Weekend, and he goes against not that good of a defense now against the Kansas City Chiefs. Can he repeat that performance? Can he be one of the best players or one of the best performers of the divisional round now and instead of just a wild card weekend? Can he do that? To be honest with you, I think that he might be able to do it. I don't know if they're going to let him do it. Mm-hmm. I think the smarter play, especially when you're going up against a high-powered offense in Kansas City, is to lean on your strength and run the shit out of the ball. I mean, the best way to stop Patrick Mahomes is to limit the amount of drives that he's able to have. And the best way to do that, as we saw last week, hand it off to Nick Chubb, throw it to Kareem Hunt. However you got to get it done, get it to those two guys, and you'll uh, have a better fighting shot in that game. I just want to point out the the sack stat. What's incredible is the Steelers had a record 73 consecutive regular season games with a sack. So not allowing a sack in a playoff game is such a big boost for that Cleveland offensive line and Baker himself the sacks go to a street with O-lines and quarterbacks. I was about to say that, I mean, half of that is on Baker not allowing himself to take a sack, getting the ball out quick, making good decisions, um, you know, just just not being in a position to take a sack. Here we go. Here we go. Stat Matt giving giving the Browns and Baker Mayfield some props. About damn time, you know. About damn time. They hate him for the longest time. I, I'm not hating. I've been, I, I like the Browns. Hey, I just didn't buy it. That's fair. For call me a hater. I, I want to thank them. I was not deserving of wa- lo- loving the fact that they demolished the Steelers and embarrassed the Steelers, forced Big Ben to cry, which is which I love to see. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to bring up where they like if they if I think I have they I'm done giving fa- bad opinions about the Browns. So I'm just gonna I'll, I'm only gonna say pro stuff about the Browns, no negative stuff until they're eliminated. Yeah. That's then he'll start with the negative stuff. Once they're out, then it's <laughs> once they're out. Yeah. If you're the Browns, you go eleven and five and make the divisional round. You honestly don't deserve anything negative unless like some weird off the field stuff happens. Don't roll it out. I'm, I'm surprised that you're actually giving them credit, Matt. Like uh, they're going against KC. You've taken them against way easier opponents, or you've gone against them against way easier opponents. But it takes against KC for Matt to be like, you know, they're, they're gonna, gonna cover the this time. They're right. gonna cover. They're Maybe gonna the, cover. What's the number? Legit. I think what's those the numbers number? like nine or ten. Oh, yeah, yeah that's I can high. see them covering that. And again, that that plays into do <laughs> they do they chew the clock with the run game? Um, are they able to kind of stop the onslaught? They don't have a good passing uh, defense, so. 
the real really their their key in my opinion to success is again keeping Mahomes off the field. So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like him at like nine and a half. That's right. nine and a half. But and that's you're hitting a game right by more than six since November first against the Jets. And that's the matchup to watch, right? The Chiefs' run defense is 21st um, in rushing TDs allowed, 17th in yards per carry. And the Browns' run offense is third in rush yards, fourth in attempts, and fifth in rushing TDs. Jake, you already highlighted the two-headed monster they got in the backfield there, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb also leads the yard, leads the league in yards after contact. So this man doesn't go down. They have you know multiple options there in the backfield to get it done in the run game. Um, and that, I mean, look, a good run game can help a, a quarterback. So Baker Mayfield maybe doesn't have to go out there and throw for 300-plus yards and two touchdowns, but if he throws for maybe 200, a touchdown, a good quarterback rating and doesn't turn the ball over, I mean, people are gonna are still going to praise Baker after if they miraculously win this game or keep it really close and nail-biter. They'll still praise Baker as, as one of the best performers of the weekend. And the thing about guys like Baker, I mean, we even saw it last year in the Super Bowl with San Fran. When you have a quarterback that isn't necessarily elite, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is elite. When you look at the Eagles Super Bowl run, even though Nick Foles did play at an elite level, all these teams that have these guys who are about middle of the road are able to run the ball. Mm -hmm. Brian Tannehill, another example, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Like you go down the list, if you're able to run the ball, marginal quarterbacks have a harder time being exposed. And and like, like I've been saying, that's what it's gonna come down to for Cleveland. And you can't get behind because then you struggle to run the ball if you're you know down seven, 14 yeah. points, so. I think you're right on it, Jake, right? Uh, the question was, can we expect this out of Baker Mayfield? I think we can. I think we've seen one bad game really since the Eagles game mm -hmm. where he didn't really do much. And that was the Jets game, obviously. But it, it, it the, the game isn't going to get decided here on Baker Mayfield. I think That's a lot true. of this game is going to be on the defensive side of the ball for Cleveland. And basically, that's the tail anytime you play the Chiefs. And if they can keep it close and Baker has to throw for 300 yards, we might not see that. But if that run game does work out, we could see a tight game here. There's a little part of me, yo, that thinks the Browns get a little ahead of themselves, get a little arrogant, because think about their best wins this season. Their best wins this season, they put up points. They put up points against the Steelers. They put up points against the Titans. Like, their best wins, they're putting up 30 to 40 points. So, I don't know if it's just in my head, but there may be a, a sliver of the Browns' head that's like, yo, we have the one of the best rushing attacks in the league. When we're hitting on all cylinders, we have a very dynamic passing like passing offense. We have a, a good offense when we're hitting on all cylinders. We might be able to keep pace with this team. Like It may not be the primary game plan, but if you find yourself down seven early, they might throw it out the window and say, hey, let's let's take our chances with you know throwing the ball and, and trying to score points against this team. Lean on our defense maybe to get a takeaway and give us an extra possession and see if we can go tit for tat. Like, why not? Like, there, there, there's a, a little angle of there. Maybe it happens. Maybe I'm crazy, but maybe the Browns try it. I that think defense that, is going to have a tough time getting a take, a take away, even if, like, Denzel Ward plays, which is still not known yet. That's still not, not definite. That's a huge flaw for them as well. And those you mentioned the Pittsburgh and Tennessee game. In both of those games, they got up big early, and they were outscored combined 39 points in the second half of both of those games. And that's not going to fly against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's not going to happen. All right, we can move on to the to another AFC quarterback who had just a stellar performance and and you know as as I know it's after the fact, but it's kind of put himself like near MVP status at least moving forward. And that's Josh Allen. Last weekend, 324 passing yards, two TDs, zero interceptions, 54 rushing yards, and a rushing TD. We know this man can use his legs. This is at one point the guy who led the Bills in rushing yards for an entire season. So 
That was last week against the Colts defense. This is this week against the Ravens defense. Uh, the Bills had the second most most yards. That was 472 of any team last week, only trailing the Bucks. Shout out. While the Ravens gave up the least amount of yards, 209. So a defense who played really well, an offense who was playing off the charts. They collide. Can Josh Allen do it again? I'm going to go to you, Matt. Can Josh Allen repeat the performance? I just want to give a shout out to Josh Allen for, again, it's Matt was an idiot. I was a big anti-Josh Allen person. And I, I like again, this episode. I, I like this. This is the, this is very the, the Matt Long wrong episode. about Josh Allen. He's so exciting to watch. He's electrifying. He tied for second. He tied with Mahomes in votes for second team All-Pro. You told me a year ago that him and Mahomes would tie for an All-Pro slot. I would have like laughed you and laughed at you and said you're living in fantasy land. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think the Bills are they're a three point favorite. I think Josh Allen can definitely do some work on that defense. Uh, Tannehill didn't play that well, but he also they focus so much on the run, and I don't think uh, their pass defense got tested a lot because Tennessee didn't turn to the pass till it got late in the game. And I think Allen's going to be able to throw on them. And I also am a little shaky about the Ravens offense. The Tennessee defense is really poor mm -hmm. and they only put up 20 points. So, and Lamar Jackson has said, I've never played in snow and it might snow. So I think the Bills might get, even with very little fans, get some home field advantage. Not only did he say, I've never played in snow, he like literally said, like, I, I don't want my second playoff or, you know, but my first snow experience to be in the playoffs. Like he literally was like, I, I'm dreading this snow. And I think that uh, something that, I don't know, something I find interesting about Josh Allen, like he obviously has all the talent in the world. He is, makes incredible throws, incredible plays. And then, like, for instance, at the end of his pass game against Indy, completes a strike down the field to Stephon Diggs. They're driving, they're up three, they can put the game away. And he takes a sack for 17 yards. Mm -hmm. And then they have to give the ball back to Indianapolis. Stuff like that will lose you games against more experienced teams like Baltimore. Like Baltimore. You cannot, the deeper you get that one play, yeah, you were up three and they ended up not scoring on the next drive. You you move on. But the more that he, and he's prone to it. He did it, he he did did it last year against the Texans. It's how they lost the game against the Texans. Almost the exact same thing. <laughs> so bad. Like, And he has, like I said, he has all the ability in the world. The question is, will he be able to, at the right time, make the right decisions? And that's, I mean, really, that's what it yeah. all comes down to. And this is a guy, last like last game we talked about Baker Mayfield. Well, he could play great, they might still lose. This game is really on Josh Allen. Yeah. Right. I mean, the Ravens' rush defense is good, but we know what the Bills' rushing offense is. I mean, it's Josh Allen kind of leads them. Like, mm -hmm. Devin Singletary maybe gets you a touchdown. Zach Moss maybe does, but it's not reliant. And he needs to have a game like he did last week. I mean, Stephon Diggs leading reception, leading receiving yards in the league. He needs to find him a lot. He needs to get Gabriel Davis involved. And it's going to be tough against that secondary. I mean, the Ravens secondary is full of studs, full of studs. You can't make one mistake or that ball could get into the opposite end zone. Uh, but there were, but weren't there times last week where you thought the Titans were going to get the upper hand on that Ravens secondary? Like you, you saw uh, AJ Brown bully Marlon Humphrey in the end zone for a touchdown early. And you're like, yeah, this, this might get out of hand. And they did kind of put their heels in the sand pull their necks and, and not let themselves get pushed around again, but it, it could go either way. Now, you're right. The Ravens defense last week was so focused on Derrick Henry and I knew that they would be and I was confident in the fact that, hey, if, if they really like, you know, stuck to it and really put their mind to it, they could really slow down Derrick Henry and that, that was going to throw Ryan Tannehill off. Matt, I'm not going to I'm not going to go to the fact that I pointed that out last week and you said I was being disrespectful to Ryan Tannehill, 
But I knew if they, if they slowed down Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill wasn't going to beat that defense. I just had to put that out there. We don't we don't have to go all the way down that train. He wants to respond so bad. I'm not going to let him. He wants to respond so bad. Huh? Tannehill wasn't horrible. The pick he threw at the end was deflected. Hey, that's, it's still an interception yeah. at the end, but that's the that's I think that's the matchup we're looking here. We have you know a dynamic passing offense, a guy in Josh Allen who throws that thing all around the yard. We saw we saw him do it, um, and now a Ravens defense who is gaining a little bit of confidence, especially in the secondary. So it's yeah. can you slow down Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and company? And if you're the Ravens defense, like how how do you do that? How do you get that done? I think that Cole Beasley and company is going to be the key because I wouldn't be surprised to see Stefan Diggs do what AJ Brown did last week maybe even better but we also saw uh, Corey Davis their number two receiver not catch a single ball mm -hmm. so if we can get the Gabriel Davises of the world the Cole Beasley's of the world the Dawson Knox's of the world involved in the passing offense and it works that's where you're looking to break down the Ravens this week I'm also interested to see, like, when you look at that front seven matchup from Buffalo's defense against the Ravens offense, if Buffalo is able to shut down the running game of Baltimore, and they do have the linebackers to do it, um, I think Edmonds can play incredibly incredibly physical um, up there in the box, then you're going to have to force Lamar to throw. And, you know, that's a roll right. of the dice, as we've seen. But last week when he became a thrower, the roller of the dice, he found it. I mean, that, that might have been one of the best Lamar to Hollywood games I've ever seen where they were, he just found them early and often and established such rhythm. You're right, Jake. It's, it, to me, it's a 50-50 when you make Lamar a thrower. But I thought it was very promising that when they made Lamar a thrower last week, he won the game as a thrower. Like he did what he had to do in the running game as well. He you know, scampered over for a touchdown, a, a beautiful touchdown. Um, but he was doing his thing in, in the passing game as well. Like Mar Lamar was throwing the ball. Now, different conditions. It's going to be way colder. It might be snowing. That, that That's all got to be factored in here. But I think he's coming off a, you know, a, a big confidence booster in the fact that they did at one point make him a thrower. And he was still able to win the game. He was still able to I don't to think he won him. the game as a throw. I think he got a big confidence boost. But he was 17 to 24, 179 in a pick. He, he, didn't, he didn't win the game as a thrower, but he still, they made him a thrower and he still he won the game. He didn't lose the game as a thrower. Yeah. Yep, 100%. All right, so we're going to the NFC now. Um, and, and in the NFC, we have th – this one is, is the, one of the best matchups. It, it's the Rams defense. We're talking about best performers, and we got to go across the board when we're talking about the Rams defense because, yes, Jalen Ramsey did his thing against DK Metcalf, but it was, a, it was a full defensive performance by the Rams defense. Held Russell Wilson to only 11 completions and 174 yards last week. They also picked him off and sacked him five times. Now they got to go up against the one, you know, a team who maybe has been the best offense, the best receiver in the NFL this season, all season. Shout out to Kyle, who since day one has been saying Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL. Now Jalen Ramsey's got test number two. And he said it last week. They brought me here to stop guys like insert DK Metcalf. Now it's they brought me here to stop guys like insert Devontae Adams. Can the Rams repeat the performance that they did? Because you want to talk about shutting us an offense down, they shut Russell Wilson all the way down. I think it was like middle way through the third quarter. That man not only had like five completions, he had like 10 pass attempts, like through like middle way through the third quarter. It was insane. So like, Jake, can they do that again? Can they completely uh, shut Aaron Rodgers down? MVP front runner. Historically, the answer in these matchups, when you get the number one offense against the number one rated defense, historically, the number one offense uh, comes out the victor. I, you know, you can think back again. Last Super Bowl, you have mm -hmm. uh, the Niners, tremendous defense. Kansas City, just too much in the end. So, 
I think when you look at LA, the one thing that sticks out, and it may be ridiculous, and there may be more, I guess, uh, poignant uh, analysis out there. You're not going to go far if you lose to the Jets. <laughs> LA, I don't care when it happened. I just don't Real care when it happened. Though. Real shit, though. Like that is the, the that you are sowing the seeds of your own demise. It's written on the wall. Um, look, LA. They, I, I personally thought Seattle would come out of that game. Mm. Uh, they, they did come up on defense, give Russ some problems. Um, but you're, you're right. The main matchup will be can Ramsey slow down Devontae Adams? If you're going to have to make uh, Valdez Scantling beat you, or Robert even Tunyon. I mean, right, Tanyan. They could use Jones. They, they sometimes shy away from Jones just by the nature of their offense. But those will be the guys who I'm looking at. I got, I got a great stat that's going to show why Green Bay is going to easily beat the LA Rams. Okay. That the LA Rams' biggest weakness on defense this year was against the play action. They were 24th in QBR, 22nd in yards per attempt, and 32nd in average yards of separation against the play action. Aaron Rodgers in play action this year was first in QBR, first in touchdowns, and first in mm. completion percentage. Mm. They're going to eat them alive on the play action, and they'll win this game comfortably because Jared Goff with a broken thumb doesn't win in Lambeau. Jared Goofy. Yeah, Jared I think Goofy in Lambeau. I think it's going to be tough for them to win because even if you look at what the Rams' offense looked like last year, let's focus on that side of the or last week, the passing game was pretty much completely irrelevant. One touchdown not even 200 combined yards between both of them. And it was really Cam Akers. Touched yeah. the ball 30 times, almost 100-something yards in a touchdown. And it, it was a weird matchup to where Seattle couldn't score in that game. Um, and I don't expect to see that out of a Green Bay team. I mean, we talk about good defenses, right? Well, this is a team in Green Bay that hung 37 on the Saints, they but 31 on the Colts, 41 on the Bears. I mean, you can have a good defense and maybe slow them down. Maybe that 41 is now a 35 that Aaron Rodgers puts up. But even if you do shut Devontae Adams out, I think it's still really hard to win that football game. And the first part of that, shutting Devontae Adams out, has been unsuccessful for any corner to do this entire season. Yo, I know Jalen Ramsey's a bad dude. I know Jalen Ramsey's a lockdown corner, the best corner we have in the NFL. I just don't see a way that you shut Devontae Adams out. And I think that's yeah. that's your pretty much your only chance of beating the Green Bay Packers. Now, if you want to make it a little bit better for yourself, a little bit easier for yourself, then you slow him down. But if, if you're saying the blueprint to beat the Green Bay Packers, that's shutting down Devontae Adams. And it's just, there's just no way. Like, if he still goes, you know, five catches for 65 yards in a red zone TD, that, that could be the that could be the upper hand. That could be the upper hand that Aaron Rodgers needed. That, that needs to be a, a four catch for 30-something yards and no touchdowns. Like, you have to keep him off the board. And that's the best red zone receiver in the NFL. Led, led the... The league in red zone targets and red zone touchdowns by a mile. So I just don't, I just don't see how you do it. That, that offense is just too dynamic with him there. And the problem with Rodgers as the trigger man, if you're LA, is if you commit, let's say you're hanging a safety or you're favoring a safety over to that side, you're having, you have a guy in Rodgers who's going to be able to diagnose that. He's going to be able to distribute to these other. And again, like even if you do shut out Devontae Adams, if you wager too much, if you commit too much to that effort, Rodgers is going to make you pay elsewhere. Yeah. And, yeah. Kyle, you bring up and a good Aaron point. Jones well, can, if you're even slowing down like Adams and uh, Rodgers, like Aaron Jones averaged five and a half yards per attempt this year. Like their their offense is a complete unit where every single piece of it can beat you. Mm -hmm. They have a they don't have the best tight end, but Robert Tanyan 
is a very good tight end. Aaron Jones isn't the best running back, but he's a very good running back. And then you add that with the best quarterback this year and the best wide receiver this year. They're so difficult to beat, even when you have a defense as good as the Rams. And Kyle, I want to go back to your point about the Rams and how Cam Akers touched the ball 32 times. You can't sustain that if you're the Rams, because that's not your identity. That's not what Sean McVay wants to do on his offense. He doesn't want to give the ball to his running back 32 times. He wants Jared Goff to throw the ball 65 times and put up a bunch of points and score quickly. Like, that's what he wants his offense to be down the field. Now your starting quarterback has a broken thumb. You don't really have a backup. Your backup, like, cracked his neck, you know, in the in, Portals will probably be the backup. I do want to throw in one thing. So this is the NFL playoffs. I'm taking the Packers, sure. But this is a Rams team with a lot of talent. And we're going based off stats. On the defensive end, yeah. On the defensive end. Well, I mean, Robert Woods is a good player. Cooper Cup's a good player. And Jared Goff has been there before. What if he comes out and has a good game? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen is more where I'm trying to go with this. They still got to show up on Sunday. We're talking all the stats. I do think the Packers win. And I do want to give Jalen Ramsey some credit because, sure, DK did put up a good game against him, right? But that was the third time he had to face DK this season. And the first two times, Ramsey held his ground. Mm-hmm. DK did not have a good game either of those games. So, I mean, I do think the Packers win. I'm holding all everything I said. I'm holding that as truth. But I do want to say we're not... I'm not saying this is going to be a blowout game. Look, look we're in the divisional round of the playoff, yeah. man. Like, like no one should be just discarded. I, I, I hear you. 100% get it. I'm just, I'm realistic of, of what it's going to take for the Rams to beat them. And if yeah. they, and, and saying that it's hard for them doesn't say it's, it's impossible. Like, if they go out and hit every single point that we're saying, kudos to them. But to the, the possibility of them hitting every single point to be able to do this is just something I can't see. So, you know. Kudos for making it this far. I didn't think you'd make it even close to this far, but now you run up against the number one seed in the NFC, the MVP front runner. Like, now that I think about it, we have been wrong on straight facts the past two games with the Rams. Um, I last know. week we all took Seattle. The week before you guys, yo, it's took hard. Like the Cardinals, I took the Rams. Jake knows this. There's Cardinals. just something about Jared Goff that like I can't buy into, yo. <laughs> like I, I can't. Fl- I, I flip flopped after the podcast. I I pulled a complete flip. You did with your bet. You Actually, did. my you bet. Did. I went with the Rams. Yeah, you did. Okay. He did do that. He did do that. But I just can't. I can't buy. My mom, me and my mom were watching the the Rams versus the Patriots Super Bowl. Um, and my mom looked at the backfield of Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, and she said something that I literally never forget. And I'm, I might be rooting against Jared Goff just because of this. She said kind of to herself, she was like, "There's no way a team can win when your quarterback is goofy and girly." And when she said that, I looked, at, I looked at him just absolutely, completely different. And just he's been goofy to me ever since. He's been Jared goofy to me ever since she said that. Uh, well, we're going to see if he, it, from Mama Jackson. Yeah, if he's real. able to take down Green Bay, you may have to kick that goofy moniker. I'll never kick it. I'll never. <laughs> the, the day I kick that is the day that Matt completely buys into Baker Mayfield and the Browns. If he's willing to do that, then I'm willing, I'm willing to kick it. Then we, we could do that. All right. We're getting to the last one. My favorite one. My hands are already Just sweating. wait till it's a Browns-Rams Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, we both Ew. Ever Ew. 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 I'm watching a halftime show. Ew. Yeah. Weekend. All right, the last one uh, of the divisional round. That's the Saints versus the Bucks. Two old heads going up against each other. Two ancients, uh, but two two quarterbacks who had a good game last week. Tom Brady last week, three hundred eighty-one yards, two touchdowns. His counterpart on Sunday, Drew Brees, had two hundred sixty-five yards and two touchdowns. Neither guy threw an inter- interception. Both had quarterback ratings over one hundred. 
So we'll start with Tom Brady before we go to Drew Brees. Can Tom Brady repeat that performance against now instead of the Washington football team defense? Now it's against one of the best defenses in the NFL and the Saints defense who had his number twice this season. I just absolutely had his number twice. I think absolutely. Right. We're talking about Tom Brady in the playoffs. Um, Mike Evans. Mike Evans has seemed to find a really good stride the past couple weeks. I know Mm -hmm. he just broke those regular season records and he had a really good game last week. 138 yards. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. We shouldn't expect anything different to Tom Brady in this matchup. Mm-hmm. This is the third time. Look, we you know how hard it is to beat a team three times in a row. And if there's anyone, we, if we've learned something about Tom Brady in the last 20 years, those adjustments speak for themselves. And he, you're not going to be able to do the same things to him three times in a row and expect it to work. He's going to adjust to you. He's going to throw different things. And I think the added element of Antonio Brown, like this to me is the Antonio Brown game. Because they're going to key in on Mike Evans. They've, they've known how to, to guard Chris Godwin, but they've only seen Antonio Brown once. And it, and it was right when Antonio Brown got there. Like, yeah. these last three or four games, Antonio Brown has just been absolutely integral in this offense. He's been one of the, the biggest targets to Tom Brady, and he's playing exceptionally well. He's playing so well. He's kind of looking like the AB of old a little bit. And that's three, no, three almost number one receivers now that are all at full strength, all healthy for my Buccaneers offense. And that's just... That, you know, everyone talks about, oh, the Saints have so many weapons on offense. How do you guard them? We got so many weapons on offense. How do you guard us? Like, where, yeah, where do you go? With Fournette. Fournette's playing really well, too. Yes, sir. Yeah. I was going to make mention, Antonio Brown has been incredibly impressive the, yeah. pa- the past couple games, as you said. Uh, I think also on the defensive side of the ball, I really doubt Drew Brees' ability to air the ball out to keep pace in a high-scoring game. So if that Buccaneers offense is able to get going, it's going to make it even tougher on them. And when you look at their number one player this year, Alvin Kamara, he has not played well against Tampa Bay this season. 21 attempts, 56 yards. You do the math, that's 2.7 yards per carry. Ugh. So I'm I don't never know. worried about I'm fearsome. never worried about AK out of the backfield because no team runs the ball against us. Like no team yeah. can do it. Washington couldn't do it. They have a good run game, and Washington couldn't do it against us. We, we have the one of the best run defenses in the league. But yeah. but covering backs out of the backfield is just something we're never good at. And Alvin Kamara is one of the, if not the best back out of the backfield this year. He's coming off a, a six touchdown performance to end the regular season. And like we have one of the one of the speediest linebacking cores. And it just absolutely boggles my mind how we can't cover running backs. Like like Devin White can run like a four a four four forty. And can't cover a running back out of the backfield. Like, just can't do it to save his life. As we're talking about Kamara struggling against the Bucks. The the Bucks were awful against the Saints Watch in mouth both mouth. games. Awful. And, like, would, oh, Kamara didn't play well. He didn't have to play well. They're blowing, they blowing them out. And Brady, <laughs> half of Brady's picks this year, basically half, have been against the Saints. The Saints secondary is really causing problems. And I know Brady is really going to be studying tape like a nut job and trying to overcome the flaws he had in the first two games. But that Saints defense is still really good. This is yeah. Malcolm Jenkins, experienced pro, who's played him a couple times, picked six to once. Um, and the, Brady Brady will adjust, but he, will, I, he won't be stellar like he was against Washington. He'll be fine, and Breeze will be fine. But I, I do think that what James was alluding to, Kamara out of the backfield will be the difference as a yeah. passer. As a receiver. And, I, and so too. I forget I which one of you, if it was Kyle or Jake that said this, but it's going to be interesting whether the Saints look to push the ball down the field or if they just stick to what's tried and true. And that's death by a thousand cuts, man. They, like, they're one of the teams that realizes that two six-yard completions is a first down. 
And yep. we, we, we take, you know, a, a long sustained 75 yard, you know, 10, 10 minute drive down the field. That's just way less time that you have to go on the field and get your offense going. Um, and, 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 and they do that against us and, and we need all the possessions we can get. Uh, we definitely do. I worry a little bit about the Saints' performance last week, though, because they didn't start hot. You have seven points in the first half. I know they only gave up three to the Bears, but you can expect that to probably be at least 10 against the Buccaneers. And if they do get behind, like we mentioned, Jake mentioned, Drew Brees can't be relied on the air of the ball down the field. And we, I know we haven't talked about, or Matt said Kamara doesn't really matter. They didn't have to run the ball. But this is a defense that is the best against the run in the league so that's mm -hmm. going to take away another weapon that you could have whether it's Taysom Hill who they've been running out of the backfield Latavius Murray who's been playing or Kamara chances are they get shut down and they're going to have to find a way faster start in this game than they found against the Bears because they can't get behind in this game against Tom Brady come on man last two years of Drew Brees in the playoffs been Jake say it with me man I know that felt good. I know that felt good. You haven't said that in a while. I know that felt good. I, I haven't. And let me tell you, I'll be rooting for the Buccaneers because of that bum Michael Thomas ruining my fantasy season. <laughs> so I'll be rooting for the Buccaneers hard. Uh, still not over that. Yeah. I got to say, Brady in the last two postseasons has been very shaky as well. Very shaky. Why you like uh, this? On the why, attack. You like, why you like this, Matt? Why, why, why? He has what? been just, just the winning is a team stat. Brady, Brady, Brady has uh, obviously a zillion great postseason moments, but in his last four postseason games, he's thrown more picks than touchdowns. Oh, uh, not, uh, sorry. I forgot. Aside from the last game. Aside from the last game. Yeah, I got, I got you. It's, it's, got it's tied with three and three uh, after the Washington game. Hey, hey, look, look, that that was a Patriots team whose number one target was Julian Edelman for the past three years. Like th this completely different team, completely different no, circumstances. No, I don't expect Bra I expect Brady to play fine, but I also expect Breeze to play fine because Breeze has played. He doesn't have an arm, but he's still cutting it up teams because he's that good. But I now, think both teams. It amazes me when I watch Drew Breeze throw like these these 20 mile an hour passes that make it through defenses. Like I'm just like, how does someone not just absolutely run and pick this ball off? Like he knows how to spot him. Yeah, he's on Jamie Moyer mode. Like it's location, 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 location over, over speed. Sorry, just an incredible stat. You mentioned Moyer. Brad Lidge just turned a year younger than Jamie Moyer was when he won the world series. Yeah, that's the Can you imagine if Brad Lidge was still pitching? It's like nuts and shout out Jamie Moyer. We're gonna move on after that because that was just before. Before moving on though, let's uh, let's do our picks. I like the graphic that we put out last week. Nothing was better than seeing my name with the Browns logo under it. Sending that one out a couple yeah, of times. You like that? You like that one? <laughs> yeah. I would. Uh, let's put us back on the clock. Let's do the picks for everybody. All right. All right. We're gonna go go top to bottom first. Uh, Rams versus Packers. Jake, who you got? Give me Packers all day. I'll probably take them plus the points. I agree with Matt. This might be a route. Kyle, Packers, Pack Rams. Packers, everything Jake said, uh, Packers double me up for on me. that. Matt, I mean, look, I'm not going to be the one to pick the Rams. Shout out shout out to them being there, but I, I think you can't slow down Devontae Adams. You can't slow down his offense, so yeah. it's right there. Bills, Ravens, Jake, who you got? This one's a little tougher. I'm going to take Bills. I think that they're on fire. I think that they're a team of destiny, but 
Ravens are a very live dog. Um, actually, I say dog. I'm not sure about the line in this game. Buffalo's it's three Buffalo. Buffalo. Probably three, yeah. three Buffalo. Um, yeah. This is, to me, it's two teams who maybe the two hottest teams in the NFL going into the playoffs. The Ravens were like winners of five straight going into the playoffs. The Bills were hitting on all cylinders. Um, and to me, it's just I picked the Bills by default because I'm, I'm just not picking against the Bills right now. Not that I not that I don't believe in the Ravens. I'm just I can't pick against the Bills right now. I haven't seen I haven't seen a flaw in, in what they're doing. I'm going Bills. Kyle, what about you? Yeah, uh, I got to go Bills. Honestly, I made my bracket before this, so I'm just sticking chalk to my pick. But if okay. the Ravens knock out both of my picks in the first two rounds, they beat the Titans, which I didn't think they would, and now they're going to beat the Bills, then uh, I owe the Ravens some respect. But take me the Bills this week. All right. My preseason Super Bowl pick was Ravens beating the Saints, and I'm gonna or Saints beating the Ravens, and I'm going to stick – but Saints are going to win. Ravens are going to win. So you can skip me for Saints. Both of them close. Well, I was well. Here's the thing. I was going to say we can't sweep this. This is too close of a game for us all to pick the Bills or us all to pick the Ravens. Like, like if we clean sweep in one team, I think one of us would have to reconsider because that's that's a little disrespectful. So, Matt, I'm actually glad you picked the Ravens. Um, Chiefs versus the Browns. Look, don't overthink it, Jake. Chiefs versus the Browns. What you want to do? What you want to do? This will be the only time I do this this postseason, I promise you. But considering Cleveland probably had their best game of the year, the last game, and the Chiefs this year have looked incredibly complacent, uh, especially in games that they expect to win. Do it. I'm going to I'm going to ride the dog here. I'm Let's going do it. To Let's go. Down, maybe <laughs> should be, if, if, if the Chiefs win, I'll ride the Chiefs out the rest of the way. But I got to go with Cleveland. Let's go. Oh, Be confident man. enough to do it. Kyle, jump on the bandwagon. What you what you going to do? Chiefs uh, Brown. Cle- Cleveland loses. Matt, Chiefs win a close one. Chiefs win a close one. Jake, yo, I I really want I I'm like looking at you on the other side of the nope. fence. I got my hand on the fence. I like I'm with you, buddy. I, 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 I hear you, but I, I can't I can't do it. Not against not against the Chiefs. But like you you I commend you for that. Like I really do admire oh. you for what you just did. I just remembered if the Browns make the Super Bowl, I gotta wear a Baker Mayfield jersey. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> forgot about that i like all that i don't know who you made that bet with but if you're listening i'm a whole mat to that i'm with you on that one but i'm I'm going chiefs too but that graphic is going to look hilarious when it goes up jake because it's going to be chiefs 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 and i'm putting your name last on purpose just so it can like for dramatic effect just brown (laughs) slammed it at the end i'm gonna get ragdolled when they lose by like 30 it's okay (laughs) i love it i love it matt i know we're skipping you on this last one you already made your pick for the saints i don't want to talk to you after that pick anyway jake who'd you got saints bucks Let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks. This is this is your t- this is your team. It's their time. It's Tom Brady time. Jake, I just want to like, I'm so happy you're back, man. Like I'm so happy <laughs> you're back. That should just make me Kyle, what you got? I'll validate your feelings, James, cuz I got to go with the Saints. <laughs> um I've been saying it for a couple weeks. Uh this this is kind of the Saints year. I don't think they win the Super Bowl. But we've seen a lot of Saints disappointments recently. And if they beat Tom Brady here, whether or not they win or lose next week to the Packers, that's a success. And if they do beat the Packers and make it to the Super Bowl, I would be right and say this is the Saints. I just got to say, I'm sticking with it. It's number one and two in DVOA, and it's number one and two on the all time touchdown leaders. So. Mm hmm. And one and really two is game. what I picked across the board in terms of seating. So yeah, there you go. Look at the chalky. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know this is you know the Saints have, have swept us in the season series, but this to me is a coin flip game. Like to me, you're not wrong with whoever you pick. But one, I'm going with my team. 
that you can just stamp me for that for the rest of the year if we keep as winning. You should. Um, as you should. And it's just, you got to go with the football gods, man. You know how hard it is to beat a team three times in a row. Tom Brady adjustments, just, it's so great to have the GOAT on your team. It's just so great to have him there. Just the supreme confidence. Fire them cannons all the way up and down the field. I'm going with the Bucks. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. All right. We can move on to speaking facts. Haven't done this in a little while. And, and Jake, welcome back, man. Welcome back to the speaking facts segment of it all. And we got some good quotes and we got to figure out who's been speaking facts this past week. So Chase Claypool, I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to put this in here because, you know, the, the young bucks sometimes got to learn that you can't just say whatever you want on a Twitch live stream. Um, Chase Chase Claypool on his on his Twitch, you know, someone came after him after the loss to the Browns and he said bad loss, but the Browns are going to get clapped next week. So it's all good. Uh, I know we kind of, you know, touched on a little bit. We're going to bring it back. Is Chase Claypool speaking facts there, Kyle? Are the Browns, is he right? Is it a, should he not be worried because the Browns going to no. get clapped? He's not speaking facts. And I, I did say the Chiefs are going to win. I think the Browns do keep it close. They might cover, mm. but. The bigger thing is you don't say that. You mm -hmm. hold the L. Juju made the mistake last week. They came out with a different fight and beat you guys. I know you're rooting against them. Whatever. You're out of the playoffs now. It doesn't even matter. Keep your mouth shut. Go to next year. You're a rookie. Yeah. Jake, he's speaking facts? He's not speaking. Well, he might be speaking. <laughs> they make a clap. You they make the a clap. You picked the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. Like, I get the sentiment, oh. like, division rival against the defending champions. I get why he said it. But Pittsburgh must have something in the water in that wide receiver room. Like when you look back over the years, Antonio Brown, Martavius Bryant, Juju, Claypool, everyone's got something to say. Everyone has something to, oh, he wants to dance on TikTok. Guy wants to go mentally unstable. Something's going on in Pittsburgh in the wide receiver room. Some they they, they drink it out the, the, the three rivers over there. I, I, I do have to say this about Chase Claypool. He went to Notre Dame. And he just lost it in a blowout uh, in the playoffs. So he knows something about getting blown out in the playoffs. <laughs> so I got to give him credit there. But you can't say that when you're a rookie and you just got clapped. You can't say the team that clapped you is going to get clapped. You can't do that. Well, That's here's the thing. I, I get that 11-0 is really impressive. But don't act like a bunch of teams haven't gone 11-0 before. Like, the Steelers went 11-0 and got, you want to talk about complacent. They got complacent. They got arrogant. They really acted like their shit don't stink. They lost three straight. Then won one game to win the division, started dancing again, and thought shit was sweet. Like this is the NFL, baby. Like you, you can't just be treating teams like they're your redheaded stepchild. Like they you're just gonna go out there and win. Twenty-eight nothing in the first quarter at NFL home. Record. At NFL home, record. come on, man. Come on, Chase. Not like regardless if the if the Browns do get clapped or not. I'm saying Chase Claypool wasn't speaking facts. Because, like, I'm not going to co-sign the statement. I'm not going to yeah, sit here and be like, yeah. oh, yeah, you right. Yeah, you, you right. You right, Kyle. Yeah. Hold the L. Be a man. We got beat. I'm not about to speak on this team. Go out there and look. They got another game. If I'm Chase Claypool, I don't even speak on them. That's a way better thing to say is, like, they're not my team. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about this. next season. I hate this more than what Juju said going into the game. Yeah, me too. I mean, at least you look, salty. Like, you look confident going into a game. This time you just look salty. You yeah. look salty as hell. All right, moving on. Stephen A. Smith uh, was talking about Kyrie Irving. He's been talking about Kyrie Irving a lot lately. We'll get into a little bit, get into it a little bit later. But just this quote in particular, he said this morning that amongst everything going on, Kyrie Irving is right now um, at an undisclosed location. People don't know where he is. He's not with the Nets. Um, so Stephen A. Smith said, I think Kyrie Irving should retire from basketball. He should just let it go. Matt, is Stephen A. Smith spe speaking facts? 
I gotta say, he was. Uh, I, I'm frequent in progressive uh, zooms for popping up a candidate, and I do gotta say, Tahani Abushi is a great candidate, and it's nice to see Kyrie helping out a progressive candidate. But you know why I wasn't on that Zoom call? Because I was at work. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, you do that in your all your off days. <laughs> like you gotta go to work. You got uh, early yeah. Sunday days. Like you, you got. I, He's like just completely mentally checked out, and honestly, the Harden stuff might make him like check out more till the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. like, you gotta you gotta do your job. They're paying you a lot of money. A lot of money to do your job, man. Jake, is he speaking facts? Does Kyrie gotta hang him up? No, Kyrie shouldn't retire because he has a great chance at riding coattails to another ring. Um, but I think overall, it is a fair point that like. You are now not like forget whatever you may be upset about or or you may think beyond that you now impact the team everyone in that locker room because you are unhappy mm-hmm. now everyone has to feel some sort of way about what you've done and um you're going to eventually have to address that with them and and Kyrie historically has I mean this this is his uh, this is his signature move this yeah. is what he does like all the time so this is this is probably the craziest thing that he's done, just taking off, not contacting the team. And it'll be interesting to see. Maybe Brooklyn does try and move him. I don't know who would take him, but I, I don't know how they're all three going to coexist over there in Brooklyn. Yeah, Kyle, what, what, I, I know I know you're against the he should retire, but if yeah, he I, may speak I, I facts. Don't like it. I don't like it. No, he's not speaking facts. I mean, I, I'm not... I think it's weird what Kyrie's doing. I think it, it hurts the team. I think, Jake, you just said that. I was going to touch on that. This does hurt the locker room. We don't know what happens, but it's a locker room that's now bringing in James Harden, which we'll touch on later. Maybe everything changes, whatever. But I think this is just another headline. We've seen constantly, especially over the offseason, the media just hating on Kyrie Irving, and I, I don't like it. I think he's a basketball player, and it's, hey, I'm not defending him taking off work. It's been a rough year. Kyrie did what, heck, all of us want to do at this point. I mean, I'm not defending his actions, but I, I think Stephen A. Smith's a little out of line here trying to make up a headline that I'm not even sure he 100% believes in. That's a good point. Sometimes you say stuff for the clicks. He had he had to he had to get his 7 o'clock Sports Center popping too, so you got to say some stuff for the clicks. I hear you. Um, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and suggest that Kyrie Irving, in the middle of his career, should retire and, and completely let go of basketball. But there is something to be said of the fact that this is your job. This is your full-time job. And, you know, this is one of the most influential jobs we have in America right now. You could talk about it being a game, being a sport, but you're getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to do this job and to do it well. And you're talking about someone in Kevin Durant who made his next career move based on you. You're talking about a guy in Steve Nash who made his next career move based on you these are people that you are now leaving out high and dry who did nothing to you and now you just don't want to show up to work don't want to show up to help your teammates just because well at first it just because he didn't feel like playing that's the most wild thing to me that i've ever heard that Kyrie Irving didn't come to work because he didn't feel like it i don't know if there's any job in america whether it's retail or corporate ceo that you can just not show up to work because you don't feel like it and then pop up on a random zoom the night that you were supposed to be scheduled, now you're supposed to be clocked in to go to work. So here's what I'll say about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, the two things are true at the same time. 
Kyrie Irving did a lot last year, one of the most in, in sports, about advocating not only for social justice reform, but for women in sports and equal pay and all those righteous movements. Kyrie Irving donated his time, his money, his knowledge, his energy, and did a lot to push those needles forward. And I think he should be commended for that because there's a lot of people who didn't do that. And I do give him his props for that. But at the same time, Kyrie Irving has always had this skewed sense of entitlement of what his role is as an NBA basketball player. And you, you, you can't just, you know, pop up in and out when you feel like it. That, that's, that's not what this is. And I think Kevin Durant is, is slowly realizing that Kyrie doesn't really have anything to prove. James Harden is playing right now with something to prove. I got to get the stigma off my back. Kevin Durant right now is playing with something to prove. I got to come back after this Achilles and remind people that I'm still that dude. Kyrie Irving is showing right now that he's got nothing to play for, no purpose to play for, and his purpose, his drive, seems to be somewhere else. So if he wants to do that, I think he should follow the way of what Maya Moore did. Maya Moore last year, one of the best WNBA players of all time, if you look at her resume, last year completely stepped away from the WNBA to full-time fight social justice reform. And if, if Kyrie Irving wants to do that, he will have at least my full support if he wants to go do that. Because that's now going to be your full-time effort and your full-time job. But while you're in season, your full-time job is your full-time job as a basketball player. You cannot just put it down one day because you think today something is more important. If you want to go fight that, Kyrie, if, you're, if there are bigger, bigger, batter, bigger battles to you and bigger issues to you, then dude, let everybody know. Be upfront, be honest, be a man, be an adult, and let everybody know basketball is not my priority right now. Something else is. I'm going to go deal with it. But to be in and out just because you feel like it, this whole prima donna nature, that's not going to fly. You're an NBA superstar. You have much more responsibility than that. That's all I got to say about it. We can move on. We got the last well speaking said. facts here. Kyle, do you have something to say? I said that was well said. Yeah. Um, the last speaking facts here is Damian Lillard actually said this today. Uh, amongst the, the trade of James Harden going to the Brooklyn Nets, also Karis LeVert in that three-team deal was sent to the Indiana Pacers. And someone asked Damian Lillard on Twitter today what he thought about that. And he said, plain and simple, I think Karis LeVert is going to take off now. And I, I thought that was very interesting because I didn't even know he had that much of an opinion on Karis LeVert. So, Jake, is he speaking facts? Is this where Karis LeVert takes that next step in his career? Uh, I do think he has a better chance to kind of flourish than he did in Brooklyn with Kyrie and KD and even Dinwiddie ahead of him. Uh, I, you know, I really think overall I might take him just straight up over Oladipo in terms of that flip. I think that Indiana got the better end of it just also because of the injury history. Mm -hmm. But I still have some doubts of how efficient he can be in a higher volume. Uh, he's a kind of downhill attacker. So guys like that, um, when things don't go well, they kind of, like we see with Russell Westbrook, he kind of just doubles his effort and that can sometimes really spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. Levert's not that player per se, but um, all of my eye on it because they really don't have too many other attacking guards. I mean, Brogdon, I guess, but. Kyle, is, is Dame Dallas speaking facts here? Is this where Karis Levert takes off? 100%. I, I, I'm a huge Karis Levert fan. I think he is really a good player I, I do worry a little bit about the efficiency like jake said but we've seen scenarios this year where he's gotten to be the guy and not saying he gets to be the guy with the pacers um with obviously sabonis brogdon a couple other pieces there but he's gonna start mm -hmm. and and everyone what last year before the bubble was like oh dinwiddie he's the young he's the young star on the nets he's the one they're gonna build around if they get kd and kyrie no it's karis lavert 
Um, I think the Pacers definitely got a huge trade out of this. I believe they acquired a second round pick as well for Oladipo. I mean, I think Levert's a star. We saw what he did with no star on the floor. Not saying Sabonis isn't a star, but Sabonis doesn't put up a crazy amount of shots. It was 43 points, and he did it another time earlier when he went 28 and 11 in a game. I think this is a great opportunity for Karis Levert, and the Nets maybe even overpaid a little bit in the overall trade. No. All right, Matt. Damien, speaking facts here. Take off makes it sound like he's going to be like an all-star, like borderline all-NBA. Karis Levert's just, a, he's a good player. I think he'll stay a good player. He might get more notice as like being off Brooklyn when everyone was just either packaging him in trade deals to get stars, which have like imaginary trade deals, and then it actually happened. And it'd be nice to see him on his own team, but I don't think he'll be anything better than, oh, that guy's pretty good. Like an Eric Gordon kind of guy. I actually agree with you, man. I don't really think Dame Lillard here is speaking facts. Like, take off, take off to me means, like, you're going into all-star level. And I don't really see Karis LeVert going into all-star level. Like, he he might get noticed. He's already got a little bit of a name around the league. Most, you know, above-average NBA fans know who Karis LeVert is. And I think he kind of stays there, like, in, in, in that range. Like, I think he's kind of, like, little, like, semi-notch below, like, what CJ McCollum is. And I don't see him jumping above that with the Pacers. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been like the, the, the second primary option on offense. And now with the Pacers after Sabonis, he's probably the second option on offense to score the ball now. And you talk about how that volume goes up and with the Nets, the Nets have always been guard heavy. Now you go to the Pacers and the Pacers aren't that guard heavy. There's not a lot of scores with, with the guards with the Pacers. He's, he's the focal point for most defenses on the guard position. And I'm not sure how he's going to deal with that. He's not going to be bad. But I'm not. I don't see Karis Levert taking off into All Star, you know, star status. I, I just think Karis Levert stays around like that, maybe 14, 15, 16 points per game average. Well, I think you say a second notch below CJ McCollum. I don't think that's where people see him as. I think if you follow, you see the talent is there. But I don't think the normal NBA fan sees Karis Levert the notch below CJ McCollum. Where do you and see I'm, him? Where do you see him? Where Where do you see him right now? I think I think that's fair but i like i think that's 100 percent fair and i think going forward in the season and i'll put it down right now the rest of the season with the net or with the pacers he'll be a 22 and 7 guy and probably adds five boards i mean that's i think that's really solid for a guy so, like so do you think he takes off in terms of ac- nba accolades gets to all-star status most improved stuff like that or do you think he takes off in like the public eye where everyone looks I at the pacers he, and is yeah. like oh that dude karis lavert look out for him like i think he gets noticed and gets paid gets paid in a year or two because of everything he gets to do i mean we're talking about what he's done the past week or so sure the nba has an eye on karis lavert because there's no kd no kyrie playing but on an actual team i think he's going to like actually put up these numbers 22 and 7 and 5 and they play team basketball over there in indiana Mm -hmm. they move the ball well and i do believe i don't think he's he's not a ball hog or anything like that so um We'll see. I'm I'm very interested. I project him more like 21, four and five or something like that. Yeah, I'm um, probably around tw- you know 24 and five, just, 20, 25 and three. The assists coming out of guys on Indiana and Karis Levert already gets a lot of assists. I think he can get the seven a game with them. We'll see. We'll see. All right, man. Kyle, tell us what happened this past week in sports, bro. Because like shipping popping off at least today. What's been going on? Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna save that today part to the end because I know we're gonna have a lot to say, but. uh <laughs> We'll start with the fun one. I mean, Alabama did win the national championship on Monday in convincing fashion over Ohio State. That's their sixth national championship in the past 12 years. Nick Saban said, well, not the most talented team he's ever coached. It probably is his best team. Just talking about locker room and how they all bought in and stuff like that. 
And I know people aren't the biggest fans of seeing the same teams every year in college football. And maybe it does need to change, but there's something to say about six championships in 12 years that you just have to respect what Nick Saban's doing. Maybe the best college coach of all time. Yeah, and here's the thing. People are like, oh, I don't like seeing the same team win. It's got to change. It's got to change. I don't know what format you put out there that this Alabama team doesn't win the national championship. Like, what? Like I don't understand. Putting six teams in the playoff doesn't mean Alabama doesn't win the national championship. That just means yeah. they beat more teams on the way to go there. Um, mm-hmm. So shout out, shout out Alabama was a great game. And I remember last week when we were talking about with Renee, we got to all around, it was like three of us, and we said Ohio State. And I and I was about to round it off and say Ohio State, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is Alabama we're talking about. I'm not about to clean sweep Alabama on this board. And I'm glad I changed my mind at the last second because we, we would have looked real bad as a podcast if all of us took Ohio State, that Ohio State got trounced after that. Eight straight wrong, seven straight wrong picks for me in national title games. So. Absolutely fading. You got a favorite. Me really? Your, give me your fading. Next year. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. I, like, even the four, like, the years Clemson made it, like, I picked Clemson to be Bama and then Alabama to be Clemson, and then I picked Alabama to be Clemson. And so, yeah, it's pretty, it's like, yeah, I always get it a little bit off. Like, Stephen A we'll be, with the finals, like he had for that street. Yeah. We'll be waiting for your pick next year, Matt. We're going to make <laughs> some money. I cannot wait. All right, let's move on. Um, Dougie P, Doug Peterson is out in Philadelphia after five seasons with the team. This came after he initially hearing that his job was safe like a week ago, but apparently meetings with Jeffrey Laurie had Laurie unconvinced of Peterson's vision to address the e- issues that the Eagles face. So, I mean, we got some Eagles fans here. Good move or bad move? And where do we want to see the Eagles go from here? I'll, I'll let y'all handle this one. Go ahead. Matt, you can go first. <laughs> I'm just sad. I think that's just the overall. Like, I'm not even like that angry. It's just sad. Like, the, like we had the window we thought was going to be like, we won the Super Bowls like, oh, we got the guy, we got the system, we got the quarterback. And then, like, I'm happy we in that short window, we actually finally actually got the Lombardi, but it closed so quickly. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, I think Howie is more responsible for the team being bad than Doug is. I don't think, I think Howie, Howie's done good things in the past and he's been awful recently. So I don't think there's no chance that Howie gets better because uh, he's a guy who can learn, but... I think we fired the wrong guy. Uh, Lurie's a good owner, so I still have faith in the organization, but I'm just sad. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Matt. And I think, you know, you could probably justify firing Doug, but in my opinion, if you do fire Doug, you have to fire Howie Roseman too. He's just as liable for where this team is at as Doug is. And it was a total weasel move by Howie Roseman to, I'm assuming he's the one who called in the pulling of Jalen Hurts in game 17 and Doug took all the heat for that and Doug is now gone Howie Roseman's still there and now we let a guy who took Jordan Matthews over Devontae Adams mm. who took JJR second Whiteside over DK Metcalf mm. and who just last year took Jalen Reger over Justin Jefferson mm. those could easily be three Hall of Famers like very very easily I'm not saying they're going to be they could be three Hall of Famers that he passed on you're now going to let him Choose his pick of the wide receivers up in the top six or, or whoever falls to them. He He's going to be the one to pull no, no, the no, trigger. If, that if, if, if Howie well. passes on this one, like this, like this one is like, come on. Like you can't pass on this one, right? Like you can't miss it. If you miss Devontae. I don't 
I don't think he gets there. He might, he might he have to be there. Drops to six. You can't. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't at six. I think the Jets or the Dolphins might take him though. Probably. Well, that's where it gets scary. Is if yeah. he does slip to six, we will be making. They, he will be making the wrong choice. I don't know which side <laughs> Larry, is. I, but you I slip to six, and you're gonna pick the the defensive end from uh from Missouri or something like that. No, no, he just he gets like outsmarts everyone. He picks the guy from the Pac-12 that no one's heard of. Yeah. He's like the under the radar guy. I was like, you know what? The guys from the big schools are really fucking good. Yeah, That's why I got sometimes it's schools. okay to pick. Yeah, sometimes it's okay to pick the big name. Like sometimes it's okay yeah. to do that. I just want. I want an SEC freak. That's mm-hmm. what I want. Yeah, I want to tune back in just on the Peterson thing. I think I just hope Philadelphia appreciates him. I mean, it was only five seasons. We got the Super Bowl. It ended very roughly. I hope we we appreciate that. It's the only Super Bowl in team history. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I got I, think, a, I, I got think a sad stat. That isn't fair to Peterson, but I gotta say it just because it's clickbaity. Doug Peterson finishes his reign as Eagles coach with a lower win percentage than Chip Kelly. Ooh, yeah, that's tough. Ooh, yeah, that's probably because yeah. he's got the hardware. Whatever. That's probably got the hardware. No, I, I was just about to say that, Jake. This is a man who's responsible not only for like the the best season in Eagles history, but maybe the best moment in Eagles history with I, Philly. I, Philly. I, I, I got, like, I got another one. Doug Peterson's the first coach. Since Marion Campbell to not have two at ten win seasons, Marion Campbell was a coach in the mid eighties. He really put first a damper Eagles on that. Coach. First Eagles first coach, first Eagles coach, not overall coach. Yeah, that'd be. Kyle, Kyle talking about. I hope Eagles fans appreciate him. Matt's like, you want to, you want to hear some really bad stuff <laughs> about Doug. I love Doug. If I saw him post COVID, I'd give him a hug. So I yeah. love him. He shouldn't have been fired. I just, just some, some stats I found kind of funny. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't hate the firing, uh, but if he if he is to go, then Roseman has to go too because we're in big trouble. I mean, we have no salary cap and our lineup is depleting, and we have no good pro ballers. But let's move on until we get too sad. Well, this is also sad. Um, <laughs> Hockey's back. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm doing the big one yeah. now. Uh, go ahead. Uh, we wouldn't be doing my job correctly if I didn't throw it in. And we've all heard it by now, but James Harden is going to be a member of the Brooklyn Nets alongside KD and Kyrie. This was a three-team trade that turned into a four-team trade between the Cavs, Rockets, Nets, and Pacers. We already talked about how Levert is going to the Pacers. Oladipo is going to the Houston. Um, So, of course, Levert was involved in the Houston trade. But what's going to happen is James Harden to the Nets. The Cavs are going to get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. And the Rockets get four four first-round picks, three from the Nets, one from the Cavs, four pick swaps with the Nets. Dante Exum, Radonis Kourkos, and Karis LeVert, and then LeVert goes. So mm. the big talking point here is obviously James Harden. What does this mean for the East, and is this the right move for the Nets? I think I know the answer. So f- my first take, like my first initial thought when I saw this, this was an insurance move by Kevin Durant. Like we know that Kevin Durant has been like the biggest decision maker for the Nets. He was the reason that uh, Steve Nash was hired. So we know that the, the Nets have kind of put a lot of their stock in behind what KD thinks and what KD you know wants to do. Rightfully so. It's like a second best player in the league right there. It's a you know a, a two time champion, two time Finals MVP. I think he's earned that cachet. But I think he quickly saw the the head case that Kyrie Irving is, and he was like, "That's not going to be my my running mate. That's not going to be." Who's going to be by my side to win a championship? I need a guy who's going to come in here and is going to, you know, play with me every day. And, you know, I, I think he's he's played with James Harden before. He knows what James Harden could do on the court. And he knows that if James Harden is in a happy situation, James Harden will come out and ball. I just got to keep him happy. I can never, you can never keep Kyrie Irving happy. External circumstances aren't like what keeps Kyrie Irving happy. Kyrie Irving is inside his own head. 
So you, everything could be going right, and Kyrie could wake up one day and be like, eh, "I don't feel like it." Like, like, but James Harden is is all about you know winning cures all. Like, if I'm winning, if the circumstances are good, James Harden will come out and ball. And I think that Kevin Durant made this move or made the the Nets make this move because he realizes, man, that I can't count on Kyrie Irving. I need someone. I need an All NBA type player that I can count on. And it's even better that he's played with him before. That 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 was mine. And look at. I don't think this makes the Nets championship robust um, because, you know, it's hard to make a move like this midseason, gel in enough time to make a big playoff run. But when you assemble a force like this, it's hard to hard to imagine that you shouldn't be the front runner of the East, right? They have yeah. no bench, though, at all. That's where I was going to go. Like, yeah. they're, they're very, like, 2011 Heat where, like, it was LeBron, Wade, Bosh, and then, like, Joel Anthony and washed Mike Bibby. Uh, so, like... I, I, the East is still up for grabs because I, I, Milwaukee's really good, Philly's really good, Boston's still really good. So I don't think they locked it up. I think they're probably the favorite, but by no means are they like a, at this point a threat to the Lakers because they couldn't compete with the Lakers bench and. But as an as as a Sixers fan, I'm happy and sad. I'm there. The reports about how the Sixers have to give up like. Ben Simmons, Maxi, and first, like that's way too much. And Cybul, and Cybul, yeah. It's like okay, then no. And Maury, Maury knows Harden better than anyone, and he thought that was too high of a price to pay. So I trust Maury. Uh, we might not win it. Maury, Maury's got a lot of moves planned that we don't know about. So Sixers aren't done yet. I might forget the Beal suit six, but uh, Nets took another big risk. I think a smarter risk. With uh, giving away all their future picks, better better to get hardened than uh, Grizzly Bear old. I don't Grizzly Bear old, whatever old ass KG and Pierce. Mm-hmm. I think they might win a title because of it, but not this year. Well, and you have to watch out because you're on a two year timer. You yeah. have to pay James Harden. I think at the end of not this season, not next season, the season after that. So maybe three seasons. See the two or three seasons you got with James Harden until you have to give him big time money at like 33 years old that's a tough that's a tough decision and you gave away eight years of first round picks and thinned out your team uh you guys i i believe i agree with you guys your sentiment of it's not necessarily uh finals or bust but next year will be the year after that will certainly be so they've now really went all in and and hey i mean you got three three superstars who when happy are all dangerous in their own right so it's going to be incredibly fascinating to see what happens because they they really made a gamble here yeah i I do think it's good though i I mentioned it earlier that james harden has something to play for james harden has something to prove he there's a lot of stigma around him right now and he's a ring yeah and 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 the way you get rid of that is is to go win kevin durant is out to prove that i'm still that i'm still that dude i'm still the, the second best player this league has to offer he's starting to you know to show that a little bit but making a deep playoff run to go get a ring and go toe-to-toe with the, the man that you're trying to dethrone is, is how you do that. And But you got to buy in to win a championship. No no championship is won unless everyone, 1 through 15, buys in. And right That's now, no your, your second or third best player is not bought in. Not only is he not bought in, you don't even know where the hell he is. Like, you don't even know where he's at right now. So like until that happens, the Nets aren't winning a championship. And Jake, do you remember when, when Katie and Kyrie first teamed up I was like, I don't see the Nets winning a championship because I don't see either of them buying in completely to what it means to be a championship team. They've never been the die. I've never been that guy. And Kyrie just proven it. Kyrie yeah. shooting himself in the foot. I'm concerned with what they got 
rid of. I mean, certainly James Harden makes you a better team, right? But Jared Allen is having the makings of having a breakout year. Yeah. And he's a center, which means you have to start four points per game. DeAndre Jordan at center now. Yeah. And yeah. your first big man off the bench is Jeff Green, probably. I mean, I think there's a lot of issues now with depth that that brings in. And Karis LeVert's gone. I think the two-year timer that James Jake brought up is of, like that's right yeah. because Spencer Dinwiddie is on an ACL tear. He could be back next year. But I have a lot of concerns for this team when James Harden shoots 30% and KD doesn't have 30 and Kyrie maybe has 21. I mean, you, they're going to lose these games. There's no win condition if two of these guys have a bad game. Or who's going to guard Embiid? I wonder if, like, right. like, if you're thinking playoff, yeah. like, they have no one to guard Embiid. Yeah, like it's, an it, aging DeAndre Jordan. I think like that's- they, they, they're taking a risk as in we've never seen this before. I can't think of a team that has had three of probably the top five buckets in the league. Maybe not yeah. Kyrie. Maybe not all-around players, but buckets. Like three of the five yeah. bucket getters yeah. in the league. Yeah, we're They're going to push the pace. They're going to play fast. And I'm, I'm very interested to see how this team looks. They're going to be fun to watch yeah. and hopefully not too scary for the Sixers. They're relying on sure talent for sure. But we can move on, and uh, that is it for this past week in sports. So let's get to the countdown. Start with number five. Number five, the second-tier German club, Holsten Kyle. I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right, Matt. <laughs> scored in the fifth minute of injury time to force a penalty shootout against European champions Bayern Munich and went on to win in penalties, advancing to the third round of the, of the, the DFP Pokal. Explain like what the, I the, explain actually, explain what I just said. That's, that's the domestic cup for Germans. So it's like the the Copa del Rey. Is that what it is in Spain? In Spain, yeah, uh, yeah. It's that for Germany, and they're a second like, tier side, and it was big upset. And it's you love seeing sports upsets across. You, the like, I don't know how to pronounce it either. I saw this on Twitter, and I thought, it was, and we needed number five. That's true. Every every like, once in a while, guy? every once in a while, he throw out these. It makes me and Kyle laugh every time. So I'm like, where do you even get this, bro? Like, I don't even, I don't even understand. Nah, James. This time I saw Munich, and I'm like, wait, Bayern Munich. They're a good team. They're a good team, right? Crazy. The rest of it crazy. All right, let's go to number four. The amount of consecutive games James Harden has gone without scoring above 20 points. That's the first time he's gone four games without doing so since 2012. His last season coming off the bench for the OKC Thunder. Uh, I have a feeling that streak may end his yeah, very next trying. game. He hasn't been trying. Yeah. <laughs> going to take a month or two to get back in full hardened shape, but then he'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yo, I, did you hear, the announcer, ta- that, you hear the announcer before the game say James Harden had a pregame meal? That, <laughs> bro, that was the craziest thing I've ever I heard. I respect the move of like, playing bad, but I don't know about the put on 20 pounds move to get traded. He that really went all out to get traded. Like He really he did that for fun. <laughs> that was just for fun. <laughs> All right, let's go to number three. The number of touchdowns Devontae Smith snagged in the national championship game. He actually had that in the first half, didn't play in the second half. So did all that in one half of the national championship game. Look, they're calling this dude the next like Jerry Rice. I was hearing Kirk Herbstreit absolutely drool over this man. Um, the Heisman Trophy winner, well-deserved. Devontae Greatest Smith, receiver in college football history. Yeah, Devontae Smith is going to be crazy. Also remember, he's the guy who caught the, the game-winning touchdown against Georgia in the national championship game when two have to come off the bench and save Jalen Hurts. So he's been around Bama, been around the big moments, yeah. man. Devontae Smith had himself a hell of a game, hell of a year. Definitely got overshadowed by those Judy, Waddle, and Ruggs teams mm-hmm. where 
oh, we have this guy on the bench as well. But uh, imagine if Najee Harris didn't also rush for 20-something touchdowns this year. The numbers that Devontae Smith would have been putting up, it's ridiculous. Also heard a most wild stat I've ever seen. Every single recruit that Nick Saban has brought to Alabama has won a national championship, has been a part yeah. of a national championship. If, team. They, if they stayed or like didn't they, transfer, yeah, there was one three year years. where he went to the league. Yeah. No, nah, that's gross. That's absolutely, that's the most That wild. is obscene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's wild. I just like knocked me off kilter. Trips. Yeah. The greatest um, pitch on recruiting trips. Oh, every every guy I've had for 12 years won a national I'm going to Bama. I'm going to Bama. Where else I'm going? Before we move on, just, just a quick point on Devontae Smith, and we'll talk about it more as we get closer to the draft. I am very intrigued to see how NFL teams evaluate this young guy. He has a very slight frame. He's 6'1", 175. Ruggs, who also was a small guy, was 5'11", like 180, 185. So Ruggs even had weight on Devontae Smith coming in. When you pair him up against a guy like Jamar Chase, who is a physical freak, it's going to, I, I am incredibly intrigued to see how the NFL kind of dissects. Yeah. And uh, I'll say this first. whichever one the Eagles get will be the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. Y'all are just conditioned, <laughs> huh? Y'all are just conditioned. This goes no, back. I, we picked Reggie Wayne. Up, we picked Freddie Mitchell over Reggie Wayne. This goes back a yeah, while. We've had we Freddie. So we would never beat the Packers that game. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Reggie Wayne couldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to number two. Since 2011, the Steelers are just two and four as favorites in playoff games. Um, that is, uh, you know, that's actually surprising. Historically, when I think back about Pittsburgh, I kind of see them as a very solid, very reliable team. But I guess these stats uh, say otherwise. Yeah, I'm, me too. Those losses are to Blake Bortles and Tim Tebow. Yeah, yeah. that's bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's that Tebow game was sick. That Tebow game was sick. And he really lose to Blake Bortles. He lost to a tremendous Jaguars defense. Like I don't know. They lost forty-five to forty-two in that game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is true. They lost in an absolute shootout. Um, no, it's it's funny because when you think about traditionally the Steelers, you think about like one of the, the most well-coached teams. Mike Tomlin, one of the most successful coaches, and like they just crapped out a couple times in the playoffs. Been bad. All right, let's move to number one. The number of quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl in their first season with a team, that's Trent Dilfer. Brady would be the second, also would be the first quarterback to win a Super Bowl in his home turf. That's all I'm going to say about it because I'm not saying anything else because I'm all I got to say, where did Trent Dilfer win that Super Bowl? Tampa. Just got to say it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. That was me knocking on one. Absolutely crazy. Um. All right, we're almost out of time for this uh, episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots about the buzzer. Kyle, got something to say at the buzzer? Uh, nothing crazy, but I'm improving the show. I got a new mic coming in, and next week it's going to sound good. Investing in myself a little bit. I also randomly stream on Twitch, but nothing close to the meaning for what. Man, it's plug your plug your Twitch, man. Plug yourself. Get some, get uh, some more followers. It is Sirac with a one as an I, and then the number eleven. Oh, I shouldn't. Oh, never mind. I shouldn't have told you to play it though. I couldn't do Sirac. I wanted to, but what do you play? Uh, I play a lot of Valorant, and then recently I'm back hooked on League of Legends, which is causing just insane addiction, which I need to stop. <laughs> so I'll check you out. I'll check you out. Go. Appreciate it, Matt. You got something to say at the buzzer? I am hopping on the bandwagon for the Flyers. Great right when the season starts. That way I'm not caught off guard when the playoffs start. I won't be like watching every game, but I'll be keeping track of them, watch a game here or there. That way when they make the playoffs, because they got a shot to do something. 
and I don't know if do something means, but the, in hockey, shit happens. We they scored, almost made the we conference finals. Six goals. Yeah, and they're beating Pittsburgh right now, so always good. What's the score? Six to three. It was five to three last I saw. So let's yeah. let's do that hockey. Let's do that hockey. <laughs> love they say. Love to see it, Jake. Man, your first episode back. Got something to say at the buzzer? Dude, it has been a long ass journey. Uh, from the time that I stepped away from the pod, all the shit that uh kind of has been going on. So Scal and pals, Scal took off. He's back at SiriusXM. We started up a new podcast, uh, the Radio.com NBA show. A few weeks ago, and we've talked to names like Adrian Wojnarowski, Chris Mannix, yeah, uh, DB on there, Doris Burke, yes, very That's nice cool. woman. Um, so it, it's been a really fun ride. I'm great. I'm very grateful, and I'm still there, obviously, but I'm happy to kind of bring that knowledge uh, and, and that podcasting experience back to straight facts. Yes, and uh, the the producer in me tells me to play a little game here right before we get out. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned the James Harden. Uh, he ate a pregame meal video. He is astonishingly fat in that video. It's Max Harden. Which which bring, which, which begs the question, who is the top, who's your top five, or maybe we can come up with a top five as a group, non-athletic looking athletic people. So for example, James Harden, I'll give you another one. Bartolo Colon is who we're looking for. Yeah, true. <laughs> With those two, with those two in place, if you guys all have one, you can go around and who you got. I'm trying to think off the top. The first one that comes to my mind, Jokic is the easy one. I was about to say Jokic. That was the easy one for me, right off the right off the top of my head. Uh, was was the absolute easy one. Um, I also remember I don't who I can't for, I can't remember which team. I can't even remember if it was college, NFL, or XFL, but wasn't there like a 300-pound quarterback running around somewhere? Jared Lorenzen. Yeah, RIP. the hefty lefty, RIP, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. That's uh, another one, I guess. You know, He's on there. All right, round it out. Round it out. Not fat, but Mike Lennon does not look like an athlete. <laughs> but, can, but can move. <laughs> but but can move, just a scrawny white boy. Yeah, I guess you don't have to be fat to not look like a to not look like an athlete. You can be scrawny, too. The only thing about him that's athletic is he's tall. Jerome that's not athletic. That's not, that's not an athletic tree. Like tall people are like more like like if you're like six eight, you're gonna be on your middle school basketball team just because you're right. six eight. Jerome Bettis. The that's bus. another good one. The bus. That's a good one. Jake, I'm who? gonna remember. I'm gonna get like a perfect one in my head in like five. As soon as we, as soon as we log off, yeah. As soon as we log off. So just to round out the last two that I had, uh, Steve Nash. I feel like mm, is someone mm. who, if you were to just look at him, like walking by on the street and you're like, oh yeah, that guy's a two-time MVP in the NBA. I would be astonished. <laughs> yeah. John like, Stockton is in that ilk too. I was about to say John Stockton. As soon as you said that, John Stockton. Steve Nash looks like a soccer player. And I know he played like a lot of soccer. Like if if I did not know anything about sports. I would think he's like, player. I, and I'd like, someone told him like, what sport do you play? Oh, play soccer. I mean, like, John Stockton, the only evidence you need for John Stockton is he went to the Olympics and no one knew who he was. He just walked down the street and no one, literally no one knew who he was. Yeah. Um, and the last one I'll give is a group of people. And that would be anyone before the Lakers who played center on a LeBron James team. Mm. So if we go back and we look, Timofey. Uh, we have Big Set, Big Z. We have Perfect. Timofey, Anderson Verjao, Chris Anderson. Oh. I mean... You're, we're talking about some real weird-looking dudes. <laughs> uh, they, they, 
They were solid. Shaq is the exception because he was a LeBron center for a year. Not Shaq was out of shape. Shaq was out of shape, though. Yeah, it's bad Shaq. <laughs> Oh, wait, uh, you, know what's one? you know what's one? Chase Budinger. Wasn't he in the oh, NBA? Oh, yeah, in the dunk contest, too. Yeah, <laughs> Pat Connaughton might go up there, too. Pat Connaughton shouldn't have been in the dunk Pat Connaughton got a little bit of bunnies. He shouldn't have been in the dunk contest. He may just be talking about athletic white guys. <laughs> We're just talking about unathletic white guys now. <laughs> Budinger had the red hair. I mean, two-piece. Budinger did that, too. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, yo, this was a great episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to all my guys, Kyle Sarek, Stat Matt Robinson, and of course, my guy, Jake Galley, for making it all the way back. But for the whole crew, I am James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up. <laughs>